will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Like a harvest festival for advice. In a very real sense, that we have harvested your problems and piled up advice. A little, e little heap in the corner of the sports hall to be distributed to local pensioners by your dower headmaster who doesn't give a fuck. You can, of course, if you would like us to at least pretend to give a fuck, write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Joining me this evening for advice piling, fuck giving, and nebulous help, Ms. Lucy Boy. PR officer to the Cannibal Islands. They're really not so bad. Come for vacation. I might. I, of course, am Roger Hart, officially certified as Eldridge. And this is Mr. Dave Convery, a crypto-theologist. And so to our question. It begins with a caveat. Generally, our question stipulates, I'm quite a level person. But every now and then, I have a day where my mind just collapses on me. The timing is always associated with my period, but doesn't hit me every cycle. When these days happen, I'm, I'm on the verge of tears all the time, and the slightest thing can set me off sobbing. I also have a continuously angry inner monologue. I get extremely angry at almost anything. Uh, for example, someone offering to make me a drink when I was about to offer to make them a drink. They obviously did that to show me up. I'm a nice person who was going to do something nice, but they've intentionally taken that away from me because they hate me. I have a job where I can work from home some days, and where possible I try to do this and hide from the world where it hits. But what should I do when I can't? What if I need to deal with people? How do I pull myself together and not get fired or hurt my friend, Thorny? All right, so first off, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have masses here, but this is kind of normal, I think. I, I just want to kind of reassure you, I guess, that there's lots of, it may be more correlated to, to some other things. And given what you outlined, which is being quite level, it might be that the difference and the dissonance is quite disorienting for you. But I think a lot of people have to contend with uh, this is not a diminution. A lot of people have to have to contend with an angry inner voice, with with something that, with kind of mood spikes, and with just a bit of ambient anger that they've taught themselves not to show to the world. Um, I get this a lot. So I, I mean, I, I get into these weird sort of overthinking loops. They get they're really really bad if I've like had a couple of drinks as well. I, I do this like if I'm walking home from the pub, I do this all the time, which like like I fixate on something have an interior monologue that talks up the severity of it, and I get myself really worked up and lathered, and it's horrible. Uh, the nice part is that I'm super easily distracted, so I'm squirrel. Like, you also live quite fast in the pub, so it can't <laughs> go on very long. I can, I can work myself up into a proper steaming fury over nothing. I, I think people, or over something, make it much, much worse. Th these, these processes, I, I just think it's important to state that this shit, this happens, this is totally a thing. When I work up a kind of overthinking loop interior monologue, it's partly angry and then there's a lot of really ugly self-pity in there. And that's, that's not cool, that's not a good look on anyone. But it's situational, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be distracted out of it, but it sounds like, you know, you've got, and maybe we'll talk about this, but it sounds like you've got some kind of coping mechanisms in the 
mix as well. But yeah, just just a kind of a bit of a bit of reassurance there. If you're if you're normally feeling quite level and this happens, then you kind of you know that this is an instance of exception. That doesn't make it easier to deal with, but it is sort of not at the time, but it probably makes it easier to compartmentalise before and after. I can't speak for you, but I find distraction is a wonderful way out of these things. So if it's if it's anything like what I experience, it feeds on itself. It's quite I've used the word loop several times, but yeah, kind of a feedback mechanism of, of talking yourself into a thing and then staying into the thing. And any little things that I can find that jar me out of it really help. Again, I'm I'm not kept in attention span, it doesn't take much to distract me. You might be more easily distracted, you might be less easily distracted, but I, in, in these situations which you've, you've kind of intellectualised the point of knowing a pathological, um, I, on a good day, do too. Um, Anything that can distract you out of it—it's not like this is useful brain work, right? This is, this is not stuff that it's pathological to not be doing. So if you can find things, and maybe that can be just as simple as I don't know, like watching something trashy on Netflix or hobbies. People have hobbies for all sorts of reasons, and I suspect this is one of them. Or I, I just—I don't know—that's just proactive. You have to deliberately choose to do that. One of the nice things about distraction is it's often ambient. Can you put yourself in the way of distraction? Can you be in a place or be doing a thing where something will interrupt you out of it? That, that sounds quite dissonant and could be quite annoying, but if there's, if there's something you can do that is not... that is, Can you put yourself in the way of demands on your attention in a way that isn't going to fuck you up, but is going to stop you doing this? That, that's, that's one sort of possible thing. Um, sort of, so one thing that works quite well for me is pre-booking social arrangements. That may not work for you, that's not going to work for a lot of people, but I'm both a massive fuck-up and quite social, so that works really nicely for me. Things you can do where you kind of pre-create drive-bys and interrupts. Sorry, I'm short on concrete examples, but maybe have a think about what fits into your life. People do this. The, 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 the making the making drinking example, a drink example is that I've, I've had that exact same mental process before. Um, it wasn't a hot drink, but offering to do something quite small for someone, um, them having already done it or not wanting it, and then me kind of going into this thing of... You absolute asshole! How dare you interrupt this thing? It's and close cousins with the thing where someone asks you to do a thing that you were already fully intending to do, but hadn't quite voiced yet, and you're inordinately furious with them for asking you to do yeah. a thing you were already intending to yeah. do. God damn it! How dare you? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I know any. Certainly not many people that don't do this at least a bit. I don't make. I don't know if that if that information is helpful to you or not. But what works for me is distraction, and kind of remembering that these things tend to be temporary and also not getting half cut when I'm in a weird mood because it makes it worse. That, that's probably just me there. That said, given this is going to happen, um, one of the things you picked up on at the end was dealing with people and not getting fired and just generally not putting your life in jeopardy. And for those situations I think it's kind of useful to have a bit of a backup plan. Basically we're talking about a second income stream here. And um, I said, what? Interior monologues, big thing in literature, Edward Dujardin's The Bays of Seer, published in 1900-something, I think, was the first um, novel to fully deploy an interior monologue as a narrative device. And ever since then, they've been kind of huge business, culminating in the kind of super postmodern phenomena which that was the TV show Peep Show. Basically, a point-of-view artifact of a horrifying interior monologue over a weird life. And um, I just thought, why not just put this on YouTube. It could be a cool mental health awareness thing or a fun project, it could be a comedy thing, but it would offset the firing risk because not only might you have an income stream here, but also by putting it front and centre it would kind of make you publicly unimpeachable. 
So take the angry interior monologue, the irrational fury at tiny things, strap a GoPro to your head and just let it go out loud. Just when you feel this take hold, just go through the day narrating this fucker, trim it down and edit it. That'll give you a bit of a distracting project as well for the, for the afternoon. And put the fucker on YouTube. I'm not really a YouTube person who takes a slightly different approach. Um, I think you've got a good level of self-knowledge already. You're already kind of aware that this is a thing that's happening to you, know that it's a pattern, you know roughly what some of the triggers are. I think, uh, you know, start by continuing to capitalise on that. So as soon as you notice it's happening, say out loud in your head, sort of in words, I am having one of those difficult days where it feels like my mind is collapsing and I feel very angry and struggle to interact with other people effectively, or you know, any kind of variation on that wording, just name it in your head. Sometimes that can be enough to throw you on more even keel, just recognising it and acknowledging that super, super consciously. Whenever you, you know, if you notice it creeping back up on you during the day, just think it's okay, I'm just having one of those and call it by its name. I think the other thing I would say is, um, Cut yourself some slack. I mean, this is a thing you're saying happens maybe every couple of months at most. And, and once every couple of months, I think, is a reasonable frequency for a normal person to have off days. You're self-aware about it. You know it's a thing. The kind of behaviour that drives friends and jobs away is stuff when it's not self-aware, it's very frequently occurring, and it kind of comes across as selfish or like a problem for that person in terms of the overall tone of your interactions. And it really doesn't sound like any of that is the case here. I think if, you're, if your friends or employers are reasonable people, their impression of you will be formed from the kind of 99 plus percent of the time when you're not like this, rather than the less than 1% of the time when you are. Yeah, people, people who take uh, an opinion of someone from a single event tend to be played by Reese Witherspoon in the 1990s. Yes, exactly. They have a whole different set of problems, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, they're vapid. Um, you know, anyone who thinks that being less than 100% perfectly on your game all of the time isn't reasonable is being unreasonable themselves, and that's kind of not really something you can fix, that's on them. So you're already trying to avoid interacting with too many people when you're in this situation, which I think is good, that's proactive. But if you absolutely can't avoid it, I would say try the following. So again, keep reminding yourself in words what is happening, just keep that right at the top of your awareness. Then reframe the aim of the interaction. I think a lot of the time we sort of go about our social lives while carrying a lot of other baggage, you know. This isn't just a meeting to get something decided, this is a meeting to get something decided where I need to show that I'm doing my job really well and I'm totally on top of stuff and I'm an intelligent person in general. Or I'm hanging out with my friend, I want to feel loved and nourished by our overall friendship as well as enjoying this experience right now with me. On days when this is happening to you, just knock that list right back down to zero. The aim of the meeting is to get through the meeting without losing your shit. It doesn't matter if you sound smart, it doesn't matter if you contribute anything or make people think you're good at your job. Just get through it without melting down. That's what you have to do. I think lowering your own expectations is one way of doing damage control up front. So you're being very aware of it, you're making short-term goals of not having the bad thing happen. And then if the bad thing does happen, or a kind of variation on it, you can do a bit of additional damage control afterwards. I mean, you don't really need to explain much more beyond, I'm sorry, I really wasn't feeling my best at that point. I also think it's kind of okay to use sort of not well or headache type language around this stuff. You might not really want to be talking in terms of feelings or lady hormones, because those tend to be less well understood. But most people will understand not feeling great, having a bit of a headache, as kind of a behavioural impetus for actions that you wouldn't normally do. Um, and then I think finally, you know, spend some time when this is not happening thinking about what the absolute worst outcome would be. You know, you yell at your boss because you're 
they happen to say the wrong thing at the wrong time on a day when you're furious and you don't catch yourself in time. Okay, that's not great, but you could apologize, you could explain the situation or the fact that you weren't feeling great at that time, you could think of ways that you might be able to deal with your shame and progress with that relationship again, just kind of take the, take the teeth and the poison out of what might happen if this gets out of your hand. You, you have this already, I think, this is, it already sounds like you're dealing with this really well, so carry on. Yeah, the sort of, the headache language stuff. Mm. The world would be better if employers in particular were more fucking biologically literate. Yes. and understood this stuff. I have, I have a friend who um, leads a small team and they they encourage their team members. One of the things they do is say, look, people have a hard time sometimes. They have stuff they're not comfortable talking about, particularly their own mental health. If you need to not be here, mm-hmm. if you're having a hard time and you don't want to tell me about it, don't feel you have to justify it. You need some time. And then they make this explicit point of saying, and I don't, I don't 100% agree with this, but I think it's a nice hack to a broken system as opposed mm-hmm. to a path to a better one. Um, look, you're not comfortable saying it, fine. You've got a migraine, you've got a bad headache, that's that's cool, I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. There's a sort of making it safe thing around the understood but nebulous. Because we also, well, humans are extremely weird and fragile in a lot of ways, but we have this stupidly rigid hierarchy of what is an okay reason to be like that and what isn't. And so fucked. Yeah, weird, like physical ailments come way up top and emotional stuff, mental health stuff, just it was difficult today because social and feelings, which is sometimes a thing, which comes way down that list, but they all kind of impact you yeah. in the same way. I'd be so much more capable of doing my job with a broken leg than I would having a bad emotional day. Mm-hmm. Some companies have the notion of duvet days as well, which mm-hmm. is just, I'm not fucking doing it. Yep. You don't get a reason. And that's good. Everyone that's... needs outlets for the system to remain healthy. It's good if it doesn't go the way of the sort of no holiday policy companies where it becomes a an organisation pathology in all itself. There's yeah, you've got to have the right humans. Yeah, but then the right humans are probably going to understand anyway yeah. and don't need to necessarily make a policy. I know the thing I'd like to see actually is it's, it's a bit like a diva day. It's kind of I'm going to phone it in today. I'll make it up, but for fuck's sake, just give me some space. Yeah, not I want the day off. Just like look, I've got like four hours in me today. Christ. Please just don't expect performance. Yeah. I'll click something occasionally so the screensaver doesn't kick in, but... Mm. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll deal with the critical stuff. I'll do this thing that I didn't finish yesterday. I've got this thing that needs done. Maybe you can give me some boring shit work, but for, oh God, just, you know, I've got shit that... There's that liminal space. I think this is coming. I think the sort of diffusion of the world of mm. work, particularly in our sort of weird-ass privilege... Stupid knowledge workers nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's getting acknowledged and eventually, hopefully, that will percolate down, but... Yes, I mean, to some extent, I'm being paid because they're going to need a one of me sometimes, and that's not all the times, and I'm going to do something vaguely useful in the other times, but kind of pretending that's a solid nine-to-five isn't really doing mm. anyone favours. Yeah, my, my job is almost entirely self-defined. I have a, a remit and some accountabilities, and then I make up everything else in between, and yeah. it would be really, really easy to massively take the piss, but then I would get like found out so fucking, like fired fucking hard. Massively fired. So managing that, especially when you're not always mentally on it, mm. is a fuck show. When I'm having a wobble, what do I, you know, mm. the world needs to get better at understanding this stuff. Yeah. Mr. Conk. So you say, um, and you ended your question with, how do I pull myself together and not get fired or hurt my friends? And given that that's posed as a hypothetical, 
and that this is something that you've been dealing with for an indefinite amount of time. It sounds like you have coping mechanisms that work perfectly well. You just resent the situation, which is 100% fair enough. But the fact that you haven't been fired and the fact that you haven't lost friends suggests that everything that you're doing works well enough and that you don't actually need to do anything other than what you're doing. You recognize when you're in this behavior, you recognize that it is basically an angry spiral and that once you get into that sort of spiraling behavior, it's very, very hard to get out of it. You kind of need to, at least in my experience, let it burn itself out. It's got a sort of horrible nervous energy all of its own that just gradually dissipates. Maybe you're a firework. Yeah. Like, particularly, like, we always, we, we always tend to think that our, that our anger and, and upset is, is rational, and you've explicitly stated here that it's not rational, it's hormonal, you know that. It's not something that you can reason away, and therefore avoiding people minimizing contact, keeping quiet wherever you can, and keeping the bad thoughts inside you until they dissipate. Because they're not, you know, it's not the same as repressing emotion, repressing genuine anger and frustration. It's a little hate spiral, and you just kind of need to let it burn out. I really don't have much to add beyond these two, other than to say you need to kind of give yourself a break and think that you know what this is, you know how to recognize it, and so far you've you've not had any catastrophic side effects so it sounds like you you got this i think it's also really easy when you've got a thing that might be bad to get super worried about all of the ways in which it could go bad and forget all of the ways in which you're dealing with it quite well right now yeah do we think there's any merit in doing a little shouting a lot, a lot of one, one of the things that occurred to me when i was reading the question was that it's quite internalized and, you know, sort of standard advice for emotional management includes not bottling things up. This is transient, so maybe it doesn't apply as much, but do we think there's any, any value in externalising or vocalising or just letting some of it out? The only trouble is standard emotional advice is don't bottle it up, but standard advice to women in the workplace is don't make anything about your reproductive system because people are just going to fuck you over and not understand. People are assholes. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't understand the, the oh, food for the associates. Oh, it's period. Oh. At best, at fucking best. At fucking best. Yeah, I think people seem to uh, sort of associate it with a note for getting out of PE. Yes, it's it's the bit where women are stupid and out of control for reasons that are poorly understood. Hilarious fanny reasons. Precisely. <sighs> Just cram chocolate into your maw and shut up and try not to bleed on me kind of thing. Fucking hell. The world's a bit fucked. I mean, you could always... As, as John Lydon once said, anger is an energy. You could uh, just take it and use it to smash the patriarchy. Oh, or actual stuff. You could smash some actual stuff. Yeah. You could smash some actual stuff. That's kind when, of fun. If you're having a... Ooh, go to Laser Quest and, like, fucking brain a child with one of the guns. Those things are weighty. You could also do the, the, the toddler birthday party thing where you build a cardboard town and then just smash it all to bits yourself like Godzilla. Oh, God, that would make me feel better. Burst out of the ball pit, screaming! <laughs> yeah, Jeremy shat himself. Be ball pit Godzilla. Be yeah, the ball. That, be that. the ball pit Godzilla you want to see in the world. That's better advice than anything else we've said today. Yeah, and with that, with a trail of 
foamy, lurid coloured, child safe destruction in your stompy, stompy wake. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, my bad. You'll be fine. I just want to say that's not the noise Godzilla makes. I don't know the noise Godzilla makes. It's more of a screech. Mr. Connor. 